calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Drabblecast, episode 462. The Drabblecast is an audio fiction podcast magazine that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners, such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Fear. It's scary. But is it bad? Now, being afraid of the right thing kept our ancestors alive. It's the sense that kept us safe from large predatory cats, prehistoric bears, and ancient aliens. But what about fear when there is no clear and obvious danger? For instance, a sedentary cat, a pre-hysteric bear, a modern alien. Music superstar Pitbull. Stanley Tucci. The cast of House of Dragon. Mark Zuckerberg. Anya Taylor-Joy. I'm obsessed with all this cool AI art stuff going around as much as you are, because there's something off about it, right? It's creepy. Not scary, but creepy. Creepy in the way Anna Taylor-Joy is. But what's the difference between creepy and scary? I always go back to the way Stephen King delineates between three types of scary stuff. There's gross-out, something sick or disgusting, diseased, popping an infected, ingrown hair on your dad's stomach and feeling the thick, erupting contents fill the space underneath your fingernail. Ooh, that's gross-out. The second is horror. Horror to King is the unnatural, the monster under your bed, the severed hand that still keeps crawling towards you, the contents of your dad's ingrown hair being an insect larva with little black beady eyes that you see faintly staring back at you from underneath your fingernail. Ah, that's horrifying. And the last one, terror. Terror is different, creepier. King describes terror as coming home one day to find all the belongings in your house replaced with a nearly exact copy. It's feeling something behind you, its breath on the back of your neck, knowing intuitively it's about to grab you, and then turning around, and there's nobody there. Except for your dad, with his shirt off, and all the follicles on his stomach appear to be fine. Maybe it was all a dream, but it seemed so real. What did? Your dad asks you, shaking your thoughts back into focus. The larva, you say. The larva that came out of the cyst. On your stomach when I squeezed it, it smelled like horseradish. It lives in my nail bed now. You, you didn't see any of that? No. He says, 
and just looks at you with black little beady eyes. Ambiguity, vagueness, that's the secret ingredient of terror, the straddling of the line between two things, something we understand and can put into language mixed with something we can't. Between the mountains of safety and danger, there is a valley, an uncanny one, where the limits of our trust and security aren't really clear. And that's where the creeps come from. Goosebumps, involuntary physical responses that go up and down our bodies to remind us that despite being cunning and ever anxious for insight, the world is often vague and full of bumps in the night. Or worse, bumps on your dad. And that leads us to this week's story, a Drabblecast original called The Tenant by Sarah Stevens. Sarah writes fantasy and science fiction about strong women, motherhood, and magic. When she isn't writing, she's enjoying Southern life with her husband, three kids, a St. Bernard, who's still adjusting to the Southern summers, and Bruno the Rescue Dog. The story is produced by Drabblecast guest producer Adam Pratt and read by Ibba Armonkus. So without further ado, we bring you The Tenant by Sarah Stevens. The Tenant by Sarah Stevens. Read by Ibar Monkus. Vanessa agreed, of course. They needed the money desperately. People rented out rooms in their apartments all the time, right? Renting space in your head wasn't much different. Or, at least, that's what she and Ray tried to tell each other. They both knew he would be the one to sign the contract. Her job paid better. Plus, Raven wouldn't handle her absence well. No matter how much equal co-parenting they did, Raven was definitely a mama's girl. They negotiated to give the tenant 20% of the time. And no, they didn't need a regular schedule. They could be flexible, since it paid so much better. Ray would take a leave of absence from his job for the year. It was state-sanctioned, after all. Vanessa stifled her anger about the stark contrast between the government's long-standing refusal to implement parental leave and their immediate placating of incorporeal aliens if only parents had advanced quantum technology to trade. As a child, Vanessa vaguely understood the tenants from talking heads on the news and adult whispers, but she vividly remembered when Vice Prime Minister Thomas Berry allowed a tenant to occupy him during one of the trade summits two decades ago. She'd crowded around the screen like everyone else in her class, while the teacher talked about intergalactic goodwill, important advances, and trade that would benefit the entire planet. The teacher gushed about Berry's bravery, how his example would prove to the public that the tenants meant no harm. Vanessa had watched the pixels of Barry's face carefully, hoping to see the exact microsecond when he changed. But actually, the whole thing turned out to be pretty boring. One droning politician replaced by another, apparently, who used very much the same words and phrases. Incorporeal, quantum, shared potentiality, universal peace, safeguards, necessary advances, cultural competencies leading to advanced technological communication. Barry was the prime minister now, and still a huge advocate for the tenants. Pretty much all the world leaders were. Contracting to a tenant for just 20% of one year would give them enough money to pay for rent, school through eighth grade, food, and utilities. Her whole salary could go into savings this year. It was less time than Ray would usually be at work, after all. Yes, they were in agreement. It all made sense at the time, even though Vanessa felt a flutter of dread when Ray took pen in hand to sign. 
But how bad could it be? Two weeks. Vanessa walked in the front door, feeling equal parts anticipation and dread. Hello, she called. Mom! Raven ran out of her room, black ponytail bobbing in her wake. She hurtled into Vanessa's body for a fierce hug. From that, Vanessa knew. Is your dad here? No. The tenant's in the living room, though. Any trouble? Nope. I would have called you. Dad was here when I first got home. He got me a snack, and I did my homework. All of it. Then the tenant came and turned on the TV. Nine years old, and she coped so well. Vanessa kissed the top of Raven's head with an exaggerated mwah sound. Well, how about you and I cook some dinner? Maybe your dad will be back in time. Yeah, maybe. Raven linked hands with her mom as they walked through the living room and route to the kitchen. Hi, Vanessa said to the tenant. She always greeted him. Talked to him, even. It seemed weird not to, even though it was almost weirder to interact. The tenant turned to look at the two of them. His eyes didn't look quite focused, but he gave what passed for a smile. He was learning then. Hello. Hi. He said in a small voice. We're making dinner now, if you're staying that long. Dinner, he repeated. Nothing fancy. Spaghetti, probably. Garlic bread. Raven, do you want salad or green beans? Salad. Salad, said the tenant. Well, salad it is then. Vanessa wasn't sure if the tenant repeated the girl's words or if he really wanted salad. Did he know what salad was? Had he eaten salad yet? Or was he just practicing his speech? Maybe he'd leave before dinner was ready. God, she hoped he'd leave. What'd we have for dinner? Ray asked. It still smells good in here. Vanessa turned away from the kitchen sink with soapy hands. You're here! She crossed the room to give him a kiss. Ray hugged her and she squeezed back with her arms while keeping her wet hands away. Hi, sweetheart. I'm glad you're back. Me too. Spaghetti, garlic bread, and salad, she said. Raven's taking a quick shower. Maybe we can all read together tonight. I'd like that. Ray patted his stomach. I must have eaten a lot. Yep. They smiled at each other before Vanessa moved back to finish the dishes. Even the kitchen light seemed brighter now that the house was whole again. Five weeks. Vanessa, can I talk to you for a minute? Carlos stood next to her desk. Sure, what's up? Carlos glanced around and fidgeted in his pocket before lowering his voice to speak. You and Ray did sign that contract, right? Yes. She drew out the word, not sure where he was going. She didn't want to talk about this at work. She told Carlos about it after she'd burst into tears when walking past one of those street loonies, the ones who raved about interstellar demons. She tried to laugh it off, explaining she felt a little on edge about such a big decision. Though it was fine, of course. Totally fine. Safe. It's not that bad, is it? She looked at him. Are you thinking about it? He leaned closer before answering. We can't afford to send Maddie and Ruth to school next year. Don't do it. It's not worth it. Believe me, Carlos. But if the girls don't even finish middle school, you know as well as I do what kind of jobs they'll get shunted into. Vanessa did know. Carlos's girls were gorgeous. They'd make a decent living, and maybe, when they were too old to entertain, they'd be hired as womb mothers. And even later, when their looks were gone, nannies. To rich, kind families, if they were lucky. Lucky. Find some other way, she said. 
Nothing pays as well. Do you... Do you and Deandra have both your kidneys? She flushed with embarrassment at the question. Talking about money always did that to her. Yes, but you know that won't pay for school for two girls, even if we both sold. How much time were you thinking? And which one of you? Deandra, she insists. Ten percent, but we can't do flexible. She needs to work, so it has to be evenings or weekends. Just think about it more, Carlos. Ten percent is almost 17 hours, all on evenings and weekends. Think about your time together as a family. Let's call it five hours on weeknights and 14 waking hours each weekend. That's only 53 hours. She loses 17 out of 53. You and the girls lose her. Vanessa hated how quickly the math came to her. Hated that she'd spent so much time calculating the same things. 17 hours a week for one year? To pay for several years of schooling for both girls? That's worth it. Carlos spread his hands wide. Vanessa, how else could we get the money? She had no answer. Two months. What does it feel like? She asked Ray that night as they lay curled up like spoons. She felt boneless with joy in the afterglow of such a great evening. The tenant hadn't come at all. Her little family had eaten dinner together and played a card game. She'd read to Raven for over half an hour. Ray sat with them on the sofa, his shoulder pressed against hers. This was all she needed. Ten months. Ten more months till the contract ended. She felt Ray shrug. It doesn't feel like anything, actually, he said. Where do you go? Nowhere. I don't know. I'm there, but I'm not. Mostly, it's just like uh, Swiss cheese. Giant holes where I wonder what happened. She twists back to look at him. Is it scary? Silence. Yes. Vanessa remembered her mother's stories about the old days. Before the tenants came and allied with the government, trading quantum technology for their ethnographic research on humankind. School was free, and people chose their own careers. The government helped the sick and the poor with medicines and food. She sat on her mom's lap and soaked up the stories alongside tales of Santa Claus, talking wolves, and magic wardrobes. They all seemed equally fanciful. The stories petered out as Vanessa grew, as if even her mother had stopped believing them. By the time Vanessa entered middle school, people stopped muttering about deals with the devil and accepted the tenants as inevitable. After all, they'd probably been around for a lot longer than anyone knew, influencing things in secret. They just stopped hiding. And they did bring advances, even if Vanessa had never been able to afford a quant car and wouldn't ever travel in space. Countries had to prioritize the new technologies over domestic social programs because space was the future. Even the politicians who started out leery ended up embracing the aliens. The government kept saying electricity would be even more expensive without tenant technology, and someone needed to help them with the research so they could communicate more easily with the scientists. It was such a small ask from the public when the tenants had given them so much. Four months. Hope and anxiety twisted in Vanessa's stomach as she walked down the hall towards their apartment, then sank into numbness as she heard Raven and the tenant talking. She closed the front door behind her. Hi, she said. Hi, Mom, Raven called. Come here, 
The tenant wants to know about grocery shopping. What a difference a few months made. She put a smile on her face and walked into the living room. She gave Raven a big hug before turning to the tenant. So, you'd like to learn about grocery shopping, she said. Yes, please. He smiled at her, and she had to avert her gaze. She hated seeing him look so normal. Can you take me grocery shopping? He asked. I can't take you right now because we need to have dinner, and Raven needs to go to bed early so she's fresh for school. How much sleep does Raven need? Is this the same for all children? At what age does it change? She needs at least nine hours. Don't you have access to that data? The tenant shook his head. Data is not the same as understanding. What happens if she does not sleep? If she doesn't get enough sleep, she gets cranky and moody. It affects her behavior, and it makes life more difficult for me, too. Plus, her brain can't learn as well without sleep. Does this brain get enough sleep? The tenant asked. She gritted her teeth. Yes. What happens when Raven does not want to go to sleep? How do you convince her? Vanessa shook her head in frustration and tried to explain the process of parenting, setting boundaries and expectations, rewarding good behavior, and acting consequences. The tenant frowned, but listened carefully. Are you annoyed right now? The tenant asked. Not... Vanessa took a deep breath and regrouped. Not annoyed, exactly. It's just hard to explain how families work. The tenant nodded. That is why I'm here. Not all things can be understood from books. I need to practice. Raven had lost interest in the conversation and left the room, but she came back now, carrying her favorite baby doll. Mom, I'm hungry. Okay, sweetie, I'll start dinner. And you will take me grocery shopping? How you choose the foods and your budget? How you interact with others in the store? The tenant's voice stopped Vanessa on her way into the kitchen. Yes, next time you're here on a weekend, I'll take you. She gritted her teeth. She did not want the tenant around on the weekend. She did not want to take the tenant grocery shopping. The only thing worse than dealing with him in the house was taking him around in public. The other day, the tenant had talked to the neighbors for five full minutes, and they hadn't suspected a thing. I'll watch the news now, the tenant said, dismissing them both from his presence. She and Raven went into the kitchen. She stared into the cabinet as if deciding what to cook. What was she teaching him? What would he do with this understanding he added to his data? Once he was ready, would he work with the government? Or scientists? Where would he go next? Seven months. Here, Daddy. Vanessa dropped her glass, and it shattered on the tiles. Raven jerked away when water splashed all over her. Mom, are you okay? A drop of blood welled on the side of Vanessa's bare foot, but she didn't feel any pain. Just numbness and a racing heart. I'm fine, Vanessa spoke carefully. Raven, sweetie, that's not your dad. Raven frowned. I know. Sorry, I just... I need to call him something. And I forgot. It's important not to forget. Okay, Mom. I'm sorry. The tenant said... No worries, little one. Do you want me to read to you? No, said Vanessa. She took a deep breath. I mean, 
Raven, why don't you go take a quick shower? I'll read to you before bedtime. Vanessa felt the tenant watching her as she swept the broken glass and dumped it carefully into the recycling chute. She mopped up the water with a towel. She spent a long time scouring the floors for tiny shards to make sure Raven wouldn't step on any glass splinters. As long as she focused on the floor, she didn't have to look at the tenant. Eight months. Vanessa? Yeah? Vanessa looked at Carlos and frowned. Are you okay? You know I'm not okay. You look like you haven't slept all week. I've slept. It's just, do you have lots of nightmares? Carlos asked. His voice sounded hoarse, like he might be holding back tears. Vanessa felt her own eyes flood and blinked furiously. She felt suddenly, irrationally angry. I have a lot of work to do. Did you need something? I guess not. But he didn't leave. He just stood there. Vanessa turned her back to him and pretended to be busy. Why do you think they do this? Carlos asked. How would I know? They do it to learn so that they can help us more. Haven't you listened to the politicians, Carlos? I need to work. But what are they learning? Carlos? Okay, sorry. I haven't told anyone else yet, and I just want to talk to someone who understands. Talking makes it worse, said Vanessa. Just endure. We need to endure. Nine months. Vanessa threw her work bag next to the door with a sigh. She could hear Ray and Raven laughing in the living room. What's so funny, she asked. She smiled and tried to shake off the stress of her day. Daddy, he's so funny. Ray waggled his eyebrows and Raven squealed again. I had the worst day at work and I am so glad to be home. Vanessa gave them both a big hug. Hey, I'm exhausted. Do you think, is it in the budget to order some food tonight? Ray smiled. Of course. What do you want? I'm easy. What do you want? Vanessa said. Ray narrowed his eyes in confusion, and Vanessa felt a thrill of alarm shoot down her spine. Ray? She whispered. I don't know what food to order. Vanessa swallowed hard. Raven, honey, how about you go clean up your room for a minute while, while we talk about ordering some pizza? Raven made a pouty face, but the promise of pizza was enough to help her listen. As soon as her daughter had left the room, Vanessa said, Are you Ray? The tenant didn't answer. Vanessa moved closer so Raven wouldn't overhear them. You, how did you know to waggle your eyebrows like that? That it would make Raven laugh. The tenant shrugged, his shoulders moving in Ray's fluid gesture. Ray isn't here right now. As I spend more time, such things become natural. The brain becomes more open. He smiled at Vanessa. I didn't mean to confuse you, sweetheart. Vanessa ran to the bathroom and threw up. By the time she returned to the living room, Ray was back. They ordered the pizza. Several times, she started to tell him about the tenant, but the words froze in her mouth. Ten months. They had a fantastic evening, the three of them. Ray cooked dinner, followed by a movie with the whole family snuggled up together on the couch. Raven went to bed like a dream, needing only one extra tuck-in and kiss. She and Ray stripped naked, fell into bed, and had glorious sex. They lay, snuggled together, when Ray returned. Vanessa felt his whole body stiffen in shock the instant before he recoiled from her. Her heart pounded. She rolled over and looked at him. Did you? Did we? Ray said. Oh, God. 
They stared at each other. I feel like I'm going to throw up, Ray said. Me too. I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know. I thought you were here. How could you not know? Vanessa's throat burned with bile. I don't know. I'm sorry. Ray flung an arm across his face. I can't take this anymore. When did you... When did he... What's the last thing you remember? Lunch, he said. Oh, God. Vanessa, I just wanted to stop. I know. She wrapped her arms around him and held him while he cried, his tears running down her neck. Her own eyes stayed dry and open, staring at the ceiling while she murmured all the right things. It would be over soon. Life would go back to normal. This would never happen again. She loved him. She tried to tell herself that everything would be okay, but her voice only screamed inside her head. Maybe this would never be over. Maybe she'd never know the difference. Eleven months. Vanessa was checking the kitchen cabinets and thinking about groceries when she noticed Ray standing in the doorway, watching her. She whirled to face him with a frown. Ray, what kind of fruit would you like me to get from the store? Pineapple. Ray gave an exaggerated nod. Oh, thank God. You had me worried for a minute. You were standing so still. It's me, Pineapple. Why are you just standing there? Ray crossed the room and took her into his arms. Just looking at you, how beautiful you are. And thinking about how I can't wait to be back full time. Never gone again. Only one more month. Vanessa hugged him back. She pushed her nose close to him and breathed in deeply. Do you remember how good Raven smelled when she was first born? She asked. How we couldn't get enough of sniffing her head? Yes, Ray said, with a smile in his voice. Do you... Vanessa couldn't stop herself. Do you remember that cute outfit she wore when we took her home from the hospital? What was that outfit like again? Green and white stripes with little Granny Smith apples all over it. Ray pushed Vanessa away. Really, Vanessa? Are we going to go through this multiple times every day, even after I give you the password? Pineapple. It's me. Can't you tell? Of course I can tell. I've just... I've had a long day, and I'm feeling really anxious, and I just needed one more check. Ray sighed. Vanessa tried to smile, but then she remembered Raven and the tenant looking through digital pictures the other day. Were there pictures of baby Raven in her homecoming outfit? There must have been, right? Ray? What now? Ray rubbed his hands over his face. Don't be mad at me, Vanessa said. You don't know what it's like. I don't know what it's like? You're telling me what it's like when an alien takes over my brain? Not that. Not the alien part. But I come home and I never know. I'm never positive. You have to understand that I need to make sure. Vanessa searched her husband's face for some sign of love, of empathy. You don't understand what it's like to have my wife, the person who should know me better than anyone, confuse me with an alien. You look at me and you don't trust me. You don't trust that it is me. You don't even know me. I do know you, and I love you, Ray. I love you. He sighed. I love you, too. Maybe we just need to switch code words every day, in case the tenant can find them in your mind or something. And I'll only ask one test question each time. I, I promise. Ray shook his head. No. No what? No more code words. No more tests. I'm tired of feeling like a guinea pig, Vanessa. It's driving me crazy. 
You're driving me crazy, not the tenant. You, always pushing and prodding. You're making me doubt my own self. No more. Tears rose to Vanessa's eyes, and she blinked rapidly to stop them from falling down her cheeks. I'm sorry, I am. You're just going to have to trust yourself, Vanessa, and trust me. Can you do that? For one more month? One more month, and we'll go back to normal life. Ray searched her face, saw the tears, and sighed. He took her back into his arms and held her tightly. One more month. Vanessa closed her eyes and allowed herself to feel comforted by the feel of Ray's body, by his warmth, by his arms wrapped around her. One more month. We're going to be so happy. She lied. Was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. Creepy stuff, huh? I thought it was creepy. Me, Norm Sherman. Well, so hey, folks, now that everything's normal again, I guess we'll go ahead and call it a night. That's our show. You liked it, right? The Drabblecast is brought to you with the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License, which means don't change it or sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. Write a review on iTunes, tell a friend, spread the weird. Join us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Drabblecast. Special thanks to our kick-ass episode artist, Drabblecast art director Bo Kyer. Good old regular Bo Kyer. Our show was brought to you by Cameron Howard, Bo Kyer, Tom Baker, Jason Smith, Adam Pratt, and yours truly, regular Norm Sherman like before. Reminding you, I know what salad is. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.